Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Hardison. Today, we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at Joe freaking Burrow. QB1 of the 2019 Championship LSU Tigers. I mean, this dude literally was so good in 2019 that, like, I don't even know if I could replic- replicate that in NCAA 2014. That's a lie. I'm amazing at NCAA 14. I could absolutely replicate that. But either way, 15 games. 15 wins, 5,671 passing yards, 65 total touchdowns, 60 through the air, only six interceptions. Pure madness. I know you're selling Justin Jefferson. I know you're selling Jamar Chase, but come on, people. You don't put up those sort of numbers by accident. So Burrow, he got the natty. He got the Heisman. He got the number one overall pick money. Great year for him. Unfortunately, we did not see him quite as much in 2020. Suffered a torn ACL and MCL in week 11 against the Washington football team. Just seemed like a matter of time having to freaking play behind that patchwork offensive line they put ahead of them. So just realize, like, there were some lows, but they were usually coming against some teams that like we would expect rookie quarterbacks to have a problem against no matter how good they might be in the future. So again, only have about nine and a half game sample size. So we can run through things a little more specifically than we otherwise could, but for Burrow, Starts off, scores 13 points against the Chargers. Then he goes 30 against the Browns, 23 against the Eagles, 33 against the Jaguars, only three against the Ravens, 27 against the Colts, 34 against the Browns, 31 against the Titans, 10 versus Steelers, and nine versus Washington. So 23 or more team offensive points in every game, except when they were facing Washington, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and the Chargers. I mean, those are four of easily the top 10 defenses. I mean, Pittsburgh, Washington, those are two of the top, probably two defenses right there with all due respect to the Broncos and potentially someone else I'm forgetting about right now. Just realize like these were not games that we expected Burrow to just ball out and he dudded. There was usually a good reason for why things were going a little bit South for him. But with that said, if you just look at his numbers as a whole and use some of the more traditional metrics I use to try to sum up these seasons, it, it wasn't great last year. He was average to below average in just about everything. PFF passing grade, he was 19th among 44 qualified quarterbacks, tied for 32 in big-time throw rate, tied for 15th in turnover-worthy play rate, did a good job taking care of the ball more times than not, 30th in yards per attempt, 33rd in adjusted completion rate, 28th in QB rating. So, again, not horrendous, was not a bottom-10 quarterback, was not a top-10 quarterback either, though. But not so fast, my friend. There actually was some spots that he was a top five, even 10 quarterback in. I should have said top 10, even top five, but we'll live and we learn. Anyway, there's an awesome article from PFF's own Seth Galina that came out this offseason where Seth wanted to basically look at, you know, what did Burrow do right last year and why was he so bad at throwing the deep ball? Because this Bengals passing game could not create deep plays, but like pressure stats, deep ball stats kind of tend to come and go. His deep ball sure looked fine when he was at LSU, you know, pinging uh, Jefferson Chase downfield. I know he's never going to be confused, you know, with Justin Herbert, you know, Tannehill or Mahomes, Josh Allen. He does not have this like just rocket launcher attached to his right arm, but that doesn't mean he can't throw at least a decent, a catchable deep ball. And again, that's just one of these metrics that we see fluctuate a lot from year to year. Yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, the best of the best are always usually going to be great at almost everything across the board. Just we see more examples of guys kind of coming up and down in these situations like pressure, like deep balls that don't have as large, large of a sample size. So one of the things Seth did in this awesome article we put together was kind of controlling for that by using some of the more stable metrics that PFF has identified over the years. And some of those and 
Burrow's corresponding rank. Uh, PFF passing grade from a clean pocket. He was fifth last year on straight dropbacks. He was fourth on first and second down passes. He was fifth with no play action. He was seventh and on percentage of negative, just his percentage of negatively graded throws number two. So I get it. We didn't see a bunch of highs It's sort of, you know, big splash plays that you would expect, you know, from number one overall pick, just realize he did a lot of small things, right? And he already has, you know, just nuance to his game. That is more, you know, akin to like a veteran signal caller, his footwork, his timing, he's already making a living on that sort of stuff. And usually, you know, we're used to seeing these young quarterbacks almost get by with their raw athleticism. So this was Seth's uh, remark specifically on the deep ball. And I've been, pretty adamant that AJ green was the primary problem here. Not so much Joe Burrow and Seth seems to be at least in a little bit in agreement with that. So Seth says the first step is Burrow not missing down the field as much. The second is taking the field, but receivers, you can actually bail out their quarterback. When Burrow did throw an accurate deep ball last year, the Bengals receivers ranked 26 in cumulative receiving grade. They were worse when the throw was even slightly off finishing 31st in the league. And in all the receiving corpse caught only 17.6% of their contested targets downfield, the worst mark in the league. Got to get Auden Tate out there more, but that's the story for another day. Basically, Burrow, while we didn't have, you know, these gaudy Justin Herbert-esque 50-yard throws down the field, some of the timing and his elusiveness in the pocket really stood out to me when I was going through his highlights and, you know, starting to see what's what with the guy. I mean, he had some of these plays, the Titans and the Eagles games in particular, where, you know, flushed out of the pocket, had to avoid some tackles, was able to do so, and then got the ball downfield on a dime. I mean, you talk about pure accurate passers Joe Burrow has that and I remember Troy Aikman's kind of come out said this several times over the years now but one thing he thinks that you just really can't teach a QB is accuracy you either have it or you don't I think we've seen that there are some holes in that theory. You know, Josh Allen is the obvious example that comes to mind. Either way, we want our quarterbacks to show the pinpoint accuracy. Ideally, Joe Burrow did that last year, even if it took the ball a little bit longer to get there than some of these other stronger armed guys. So again, people, service numbers weren't great. But once we dig beneath the surface just a little bit, Joe Burrow's rookie season was even better than a lot of us probably realized. And now going into 2021, I mean, this Bengals offense should be in a position to take a nice step forward from our knowledge burrow seems perfectly on pace to uh you know be suiting up in week one maybe he's maybe he's going to run the ball a little bit less that would make sense if he's not fully back or just in general i mean you don't necessarily want you the future of your franchise taken off uh, quite as often as some quarterbacks have made a habit of in recent years but the big addition former number one receiver at lsu jamar chase i mean you look at what he was able to do before the draft, you know, I had on Mike Renner, Austin Gale, some of PFF's single best and actually PFF's single best uh, draft analyst. You know, no, no debate about that one. But anyway, I mean, he is not this guy that we should be expecting to bust because he was that good. He was better than Justin Jefferson at LSU. Like, how can you even comprehend that because Justin Jefferson last year was already a top 10 NFL wide receiver by most met by most metrics. So look, it's a situation where just adding chase, even if chase doesn't wind up being the complete world beater that you might expect from number five overall pick, it's certainly an improvement on AJ green's corpse. And, you know, man, again, I was talking about how AJ green more the problem for burrow versus, uh, you know, burrow himself. And you can just really see that, 
um, played out with how tough it was to get him the ball. Yeah. On the one hand, just four of AJ Green's 24 targets thrown 20 plus yards downfield were deemed catchable by PFF. On the other hand, Green was considered open or wide open on just one of those targets. Don't anticipate that being the case quite as often for Jamar Chase, but that's not it. We got T Higgins, you know, local friend of the PFF fantasy football podcast. Remember people, he said here on this podcast, if he scores 10 touchdowns this year, he's going to go back to number five. I'm cool with the Ocho Cinco for now, but we should all be rooting for T to get those 10 touchdowns. And I don't see why he couldn't, man. Only Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool were more efficient than Higgins on a per route basis among all rookie wide receivers last year. He has he's their largest wide receiver at six for four, 216 pounds. I should say largest in starting three wide receiver sets. And hey, I mean, this guy is still only 22 years old, bright future ahead. I mean, it's a, there's a non-zero chance Higgins is better than Jamar Chase. We'll see. I would I have Chase ranked ahead of him. I would take Chase first in the dynasty draft. Just realize we saw a lot of good things from T Higgins last year. And at worst, the Bengals have themselves a hell of a number two receiver on the outside. And the forgotten man in the group, Tyler Boyd, who has the most 15-yard catches from the slot over the past three years, dropped just a single pass and 105 targets last season. Just the perfect security blanket for, you know, your young rookie QB, or now rising second year QB. And I he was the recipient of the craziest throw I saw Burrow make last year. And it was against the Titans where Burrow was basically inside the, uh, you know, 20, 20, 25 yard line. And Boyd had not even gotten out of his break yet. Like his, his head along with the defenders was facing a complete opposite way. His back was turned to Burrow. Burrow like basically threw like a change up more and more like an EFIS ball where right when Boyd was able to turn his head around the last second, it was waiting for him on the other side. So we could even pick up some yak after it. So again, small plays like that. It's not, you know, the sexiest thing you've ever seen a quarterback do on the football field, but we got to realize people as great as watching Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, just make one crazy highlight after another, someone like, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, who's able to maybe not be more consistent than those guys, but in a best case world scenario, be a little bit, more of a quarterback that can keep your offense on track, avoid those sort of negative plays. And, you know, I don't want to say he can't create those wild plays because he did that too. I see where some of the pre-draft, uh, you know, comparisons were going with the Burrow to Tony Romo comps. I mean, he is truly slippery in that pocket. He's not slow by any stretch. He's not going to, you know, ever run for 500 yards in the season or anything like that. But man, he was tough to get down last year. And it did seem like something where he got a better grip on it as uh, things went on, you know, Baker Mayfield. I remember his second year in the league really started to struggle with trying to break out of the pocket, you know, just couldn't outrun those DNs like he could at Oklahoma. And I saw Burrow kind of pressing like that early on in the year as well. But again, he was improving. And it's unfortunate. We didn't get to see uh, the final month and a half of the season. And finally, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that my guy, is on the short list of the NFL's best number four receiver series of people, 50, 50 balls might as well be 80, 20 situations when Auden Tate is involved. I know he shouldn't be in three wide receiver sets. I'm not going to go that far. Just realize man is far more talented than most give him credit for. And I do think other than Tim Patrick and, you know, James Washington's in the conversation, Scotty Miller too. I give Auden Tate the number two, uh, number four wide receiver spot. That's a discussion maybe for another day, maybe not. So anyway, Bengals offensive line does rank 24th in PFF's 2021 offensive lines rankings. They added Riley Reef to be their right tackle. Second round right guard Jackson Carmen. Our conclusion uh, in the offensive line piece about this group. Overall, Cincinnati has moved in the right direction on the offensive line, but they need better play from the interior trio. Improved offensive line. Jamar freaking chase on the outside. Burrow taking natural year two leap. 
It's looking good, people. And again, I would just say last year, other than those brutal performances, which every quarterback's going to have, we need to see him eventually rise up against different competition. I get it. I don't make too many excuses for the guys. He was already offering borderline QB1 value most of the year. Chargers, he finished as a fantasy QB 20. Browns, he finished as the QB 8. Eagles, QB 13. Jaguars, QB 20. Not great. Ravens, QB 27. Colts, QB 15. Browns, QB 4. Titans, QB 11. And then Steelers, QB 18. And the football team, QB 20. So, takes us right into our PFF Lily Joe Burrow stat. Nobody had more total dropbacks than Joe Burrow in weeks 1 through 11 last season. And that's why he was able to put up these good fantasy numbers despite, as I told you before, not having great general statistics, at least relative to uh, the sort of usual numbers we paint uh, with these other quarterbacks. So Joe Burrow comes in as my QB 11, 11 at the moment in my third tier mix of upside with a demonstrated floor. I had to bump him behind Tom Brady. I was feeling some type of way, I guess, when I put him ahead uh, to start. And it is very close. They're in that same tier. I think Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, if you want to kind of put move any of those guys around, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. I guess I am enough concerned about, you know, Burrow's, uh, rushing floor if he's going to still have that going to next year. And then, you know, that weeks one through 11 stat, when I was pulling that about the dropbacks, I noticed who was right behind him, Tom Brady, and whose arm doesn't look as single bit worse than it did five years ago, somehow Tom Brady. So give me Brady over Burrow, but it is close. I do think they're both top 12 QBs and should be tr treated as such in fantasy leagues of all shapes and sizes. So Burrow, he was already QB 15 in fantasy points per game among all quarterbacks with more than eight starts last season. Talk to you guys about, you know, how he was a borderline QB one more weeks than not against, you know, some of the lesser savage competition. So, yeah, people, I don't think Burrow is necessarily going under the radar. You just kind of look at him in the context of the other QBs, and he's actually going ahead of Brady, ahead of Tannehill, ahead of Stafford over our underdog. So, yeah, I don't think he's exactly sneaking up on anyone, but I am here in agreement with the idea that 2021 will be the year of Joe Burrow QB one season. Thank you again. And as always for tuning in the PFF fantasy football podcast, everybody new episodes every single day throughout the summer. Also invite you to check out the PFF college football preview magazine, which is, which just came out on June 28th. We got 600 plus pages of analysis, best returning players for all 130 teams, advanced scheme breakdown, trading schedule, win projections, and more. And again, that's available with any PFF college or PFF edge subscription. Get it now for less than $8. Also want to shout out underdog fantasy. You can go to underdog fantasy, play some best ball, deposit $10 in promo code pff and get a free pff edge annual subscription that's promo code pff draft now underdog fantasy you guys got a root for me i'm in this uh underdog fantasy analyst draft thing it's just a three dollar slow draft so i'm not gonna not exactly gonna make bank if i take it in but it's me uh and some great guys from around the industry chris allen uh peter jennings uh dan beck peter overset um you know davis matek matic however the hell you say his name Podfather, bunch of guys, good competition. And basically, after uh, the draft concludes, Josh Norris and Hayden Winks from Underdog are going to give away 50 Best Ball Mania 2 entries to the to uh, the favorite drafter. So ideally, I trust this, uh, I crush this draft. And then I'll be able to give all of you free entries into the uh, hopeful $100 million contest. So, you know, just go ahead, reserve that million dollars, and then you can thank me later or something like that. Last thing before we get out of here, everybody, uh, I'm sure you all, if you've been on Twitter, you saw the barbecue guy take. Uh, I noticed it on my trending where some guy came out and basically said, barbecues suck. You should cook the food inside. 
I don't hate the thought. Now, hold on. I hate the idea of not eating outside, not drinking outside, not doing the barbecue stick. But if the only difference you're making is cooking the food inside versus outside, I mean, I don't know. That could work. And this is coming from a guy who I got ridiculed on Twitter for just putting my hot dogs in the microwave and throwing some ketchup on them. So I, I know my food takes suck. So keep that in mind. And if you just want to yell at me and say, this is my worst one yet, that's okay too. I, I think the guy is somewhat on something here. As great as barbecues all are, if the only thing we changed was cooking inside on a not probably on a better functioning cooking device, that makes sense to me. Like I've had issues with my freaking mom's grill when I'm trying to use that thing where half of the damn uh, fuses are, are not working. And then my timing's off with it and I'm burning the stuff. You can't check on it while it's in there like you can when it's in the oven. So don't hate barbecues. Maybe consider cooking differently. Maybe I'm overthinking it. I don't know. Either way, I hope you all did enjoy your barbecues indoor or outdoor over 4th of July weekend, and we'll continue to crush fantasy football content before and after. So thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes every single day throughout the summer. Also have corresponding articles over at pff.com, which I would love if you check out as well. I know it's 2021. People don't read quite as much as they used to. We got new mediums. We got videos, podcasts, and all that. I really do believe that writing, though, helps rationalize your thoughts, organize your thoughts, and in turn helps those things as well. So I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to keep talking. And as long as PFF keeps paying me, good times, everybody. So thank you as always for tuning in. And until next time, take care, everybody. 